In this episode of 750 Mills, researchers find a solution to a disease that killed more people in Africa than the coronavirus did. Then, a new species of coffee has been discovered that might just save the coffee industry from extinction. Plus, are your pets living beings or furniture? Well, Spain just made up its mind about that. All of that, plus this episode's featured track and some parting thoughts from Ben Brooks is coming at you right now. Hello everyone, welcome to 750 Mills, the show that's all about bringing you good news, interesting stories, and genuinely useful things to know. How you guys doing? Hope you guys are enjoying the extra bit of sun in the springtime and the warmer weather. The more and more of us get all that vitamin D in, the better it's going to be for all of us, if, if any one of us. And not just because of that one thing that's been going on all year. It's not the only thing it's good for. This episode, we've got a bunch of interesting things to talk about beyond that, and if you've got some family or friends in Africa, there's some pretty good news we want to hear. And if you love coffee and you kind of want to live up to and do 2080 and beyond, this episode's got something for you. Even if you don't, then still listen to the episode anyway. Well, let's just get into it, shall we? Here's a quick bit of interesting news from Spain. Spain has introduced legislation to give pets the same legal status as humans. This means that domestic animals will be considered living beings under Spanish law instead of being considered objects. The I, that's the actual letter I, lowercase, which is the name of a news outlet here in the UK, reports that for pets in Spanish households, this means that in certain legal situations like, say, a divorce, an inheritance, or even cases involving debt, Dogs and cats must be factored in and considered in the same way children might figure into these things when having to have matters settled by the courts. Under this law, if anyone mistreats a pet, it also means that this mistreatment will be considered as a crime, as if that person abused another human being. Spain isn't the first country from the European Union to give pets the same legal status as humans in disrespect. They're following in the footsteps of France, Germany, Austria, and Portugal. So this is on the national level as far as I know. While looking at the story, I, I found another report that goes back to 2015 when one municipality called Trigueros del Valle, which is in the Castile and Leon region of Spain, voted unanimously to define dogs and cats as non-human residents, giving them rights similar to men and women. So those things happened. And then, in a year and change where most of us have been constantly bombarded with nothing but news about COVID-19, mostly, how about some good news about health that doesn't have much of anything to do with the coronavirus? Not all of it, anyway. Obviously, that's what most people tend to focus on because that's the thing that's affected all of us in one way or another. But there's plenty of other things that can kill you till you're dead besides the Rona. In this case, maybe one less big thing besides that. Just recently, what people are calling a huge breakthrough has been made. A malaria vaccine that's 77% effective. So very quickly, malaria kills over 400,000 people a year. And these are mostly children in sub-Saharan Africa. 93% of the cases can be found in that region, along with 94% of all deaths. 
So this is a life-threatening disease that's caused by parasites that are transmitted to people through mosquito bites. And it's not pleasant. Starting from the milder symptoms and going through to the worst, it causes tiredness, fever, headaches, and vomiting. And in severe cases, it can cause yellow skin, seizures, coma, and ultimately death. In fact, more people in Africa die from malaria compared to the coronavirus in the last year. So yeah, you can understand why people are rightly excited about this. Now, why is this malaria vaccine a breakthrough, and why is this impressive? Haven't there been malaria vaccines before? That's true. But prior to this vaccine, the most effective available vaccine only showed an efficacy rate of 55%. The World Health Organization had set a goal of having a 75% efficacy rate, and this newer vaccine effectively surpassed that. It's also impressive because, in a way, it was more challenging to come up with a vaccine for malaria compared to, let's say, a coronavirus, because there are thousands of genes in malaria compared to just about a dozen in a coronavirus. According to the report by BBC News, the trials of this malaria vaccine started in 2019 before this coronavirus that we're going through appeared. And the research team that developed this vaccine was also the Oxford team who developed one of the COVID vaccines in use today alongside AstraZeneca. And its research into malaria actually played a big role in the development of the Oxford slash AstraZeneca vaccine for COVID-19. So these promising results came from a trial involving 450 children in Burkina Faso, and now the researchers are looking to expand the trials and hopefully be able to get regulatory approval at some point in the near future in order to deploy the vaccine to those who need it the most. Ladies and gents, welcome to the break. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope your week has been going on all right and you're doing well. We recently launched the premium member subscription for listeners of the 750 Most Podcast, which gives you double the amount of good news, interesting stories, and useful things to know. And I just want to say thank you for checking it out, and thank you to you guys who've started supporting the membership. You too can get double the content for just the price of one cup of coffee every month, and you'll be helping support something good and help it grow. If you want to check it out, you can go over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash 750ML. It's a good way for the podcast to grow faster, become self-sustaining sooner, with the goal of providing more quality, well-researched podcasts and special content for both the main free podcast and more premium stuff. Oh, and by the way, you can get the very first episode of the premium member show, The Update with 750ML, over on the podcast's official Telegram channel. Just search for 750ML Podcast on your Telegram app and hit subscribe, and you can download the first episode free, exclusively on Telegram. So yeah, if you want to, you can support the podcast with a premium membership and get double the good stuff. Details about the announcement and about everything else, as always, can be found on the official website at www.750ml.fm. So thank you very much for tuning in, keep it locked in here, and let's get back to the episode. Do you drink coffee every morning after you get up? Do you drink coffee at all at any time during the day? If you're anything like me, maybe you can't help but have a nice hot cup of properly put together joe all throughout the day. Whether it's writing, polishing off lunch or dinner, just winding down after the workday. Done right, a nice cup of coffee hits the spot every time. I just love this stuff. Even just the smell of coffee is kind of like human catnip for a lot of people. I know it is for me. Before we get into this story, 
Let's hit you up with some facts that'll come in handy for this one. First off, the vast majority of coffee that the world drinks comes from just two species of the genus of flowering plants that are called coffea. Coffea arabica and coffea robusta, or basically just arabica and robusta, respectively. In certain countries in Asia, like the Philippines and maybe Indonesia, other species like Coffea liberica might be more widely available. Overall, there are several dozen different species of Coffea. But let's get back to the two most popular ones. If you get your coffee from small, independent specialty coffee shops, or even big chains like Starbucks or Costa Coffee, these places use Arabica. Unless you're a bit more on the experimental side like Black Sheep Coffee, which is a big chain that's trying to make specialty Robusta, air quotes, a thing. I tried it, and it's decent enough with milk. But it's got a long way to go before it can even taste as nice as a properly done specialty coffee that uses Arabica beans. Arabica is the most popular type of bean for good reason. It's tastier, but it's also the more expensive kind. And it's also the more fragile one of the two types. It needs higher elevations to grow. It requires a cooler climate. And it's more prone to disease, pests, and more and more, the effects of climate change. Robusta, on the other hand, is usually used in instant coffee or anywhere else where cost matters more than flavor, and it's more resistant to disease, pests, and it can be grown at lower altitudes and higher temperatures. But in return for being cheaper and easier to grow, it can have up to three times the amount of caffeine compared to Arabica, and the flavors it gives you tend to be on the harsher end of nice, if you could manage to get it within that ballpark. Second fact. A lot of people in the coffee drinking world are very concerned about climate change and its effect on coffee. Some scientists believe that by 2050, 50% of all land used for high quality cultivation will be unproductive. And by 2080, wild coffee will be extinct. And wild coffee is important because of the genetic diversity it can provide overall. The economic effect of climate change on the coffee industry is very, very real. Check out some bits of information from this report in 2016. 120 million of the world's poorest people rely on the coffee industry to make a living. The latest number that I've read is about 125 million, and this figure was published in 2019, I think. In Tanzania, about 2.5 million people work in coffee. For every 1 degree centigrade that the minimum temperature on farms rises, Production drops by 137 kilograms per hectare. Overall, there's been a 50% decline in production since 1960. Extreme temperatures and unusual high-altitude rains have sparked waves of pests and disease in coffee farms throughout the world in recent years. And climate change has largely been seen as the main driver of these occurrences. How bad has it been? In 2012, coffee leaf rust affected half of Central America. Some producers in Guatemala lost up to 85% of their crop. This disease covers the coffee plant's leaves with fungus spores that are yellow, orange, and powdery, and that reduces the plant's ability to get energy from the sun, basically kind of killing it and causing the leaves to just, just fall off and drop dead. Kind of like coffee plant leprosy, if you put it that way. In 2012 and through 2013, the economic damage throughout Central America was estimated to be around... 500 million US dollars, and it put over 300,000 people out of work. 
So yeah, climate change is a pretty serious issue for coffee and the people who love the stuff. All things carrying on the way they are right now, I'll be 95 years old in 2080 and I wouldn't mind having a decent cup of coffee on my deathbed, thank you very much. In which case, all is not lost. Here's some good news for coffee lovers. A species of coffee has been rediscovered. That's right, rediscovered in West Africa after it has been thought to have disappeared decades ago. It's a species called Coffea stenophylla. What's so special about this one? Well, first of all, and most importantly, it's delicious, like Arabica. Second, it can tolerate a harsher environment like Robusta. Long story short, we're looking at this species of coffee possibly having the best of both worlds, and researchers are thinking about what this means for the coffee industry as a whole. Here's what Dr. Aaron Davis, head of coffee research at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew in the UK and his studies co-authors wrote about that. Quote, We confirm historical reports of a superior flavor and uniquely and remarkably reveal a sensory profile analogous to high-quality Arabica coffee. We demonstrate that this species grows and crops under the same range of key climatic conditions as sensorially inferior Robusta and Liberica coffee and at a mean annual temperature of 6.2 to 6.8 degrees centigrade higher than Arabica coffee, even under equivalent rainfall conditions. This species substantially broadens the climate envelope for high-quality coffee and could provide an important resource for the development of climate-resilient coffee crop plants. End quote. As part of the study, they set up a taste test comparing Coffea stenophylla to some Arabica and Robusta coffees, and 81% of the 15-judge panel mistook the rediscovered species for Arabica, which they again wrote about. Quote, the judges identified a complex range of tasting notes for stenophylla, including those popular or desirable in high-quality Arabica, stone fruit like peach, Soft fruits like blackcurrant, mandarin, honey, light black tea, jasmine, spice, floral, chocolate, caramel, nuts, English candy, and elderflower syrup. End quote. Dr. Davis noted that longer term, this species of the coffee plant makes it possible to potentially create climate-resilient coffee plants because of how good it tastes, while at the same time being hardier and tolerant to higher temperatures which is a good thing in this day and age of globally warming temperatures, and historic reports of it being resistant to coffee leaf rust, as well as drought tolerance. So this study and reports about it just came out this April 2021. The hope is that we can see the results of all the research and work done with regard to this newly rediscovered species in five years or thereabouts. That's about the average time it takes for coffee plants to mature into productive ones. If you want to know more about this new species of coffee and what it actually tastes like, I highly recommend you watch James Hoffman's great video that just came out while I was finishing up the script for this episode. James is the 2007 World Barista Champion. He's also the co-founder of the Square Mile Coffee Roastery and the author of The World Atlas of Coffee. It's a good book. You should get it. And he's one of my favorite coffee YouTubers. I'll put a link to his video in the show notes. If you like coffee and if you like good videos about coffee, I think you'll enjoy it. Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track, a song called If Tragedy's Appealing, Disasters and Addiction by a band called Monin from their 2006 release, The Red Tree. The best way I can describe it is, it's an alternative rock, a melodic wall of noise that just washes over anyone listening to it, provided that's your sort of thing, that is. I think it's a good song. Go check it out.
That's it for this episode of 750 Mills. Make sure you head on over to 750mill.fm to check out links to stuff we talked about here, and that includes the feature track we just talked about. And you can subscribe and listen to the 750 Mill podcast on Podomatic.com, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts might be found. Just type in 750ML podcast in the search box and tap on the follow or subscribe button, whichever one of those appears. Want to get double the good news, interesting stories, and useful things to know, plus video? And you get to help spread good, positive content that makes you smarter and less stressed? Check out 750ML's premium member subscription. For just the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can get the update, a premium members-only show that you get twice a month. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash 750ML to subscribe and support the show. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash 750ML. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast's official Telegram channel. Download the Telegram app and search for 750ML Podcast. Click on subscribe and you can get the very first episode of the update with 750ML's free. If you don't want to manually type in all those links, all that will be in the show notes for this episode, and you can find that on 750ml.fm. That's 750ml.fm, and everything we just talked about can be found over there. Make sure you check it out. Anyway, folks, thanks for hanging out with me. I'll leave you with some parting thoughts from Ben Brooks. Here's what he said. What I have found is that by doing this, I am incrementally making my life more enjoyable each and every day. It really is the little things that count. Because if you improve enough of the little things, then pretty soon you're going to have a lot of great things going for you, and thus you will be happier. Hope you have a good day. Take care now.